All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Spirit Ninjas Spiritual As Fuck podcast. It's so exciting. We're excited that you're here. Yes. Who's our guest today? Oh, Maggie Reyes. Oh, my God. She is awesome. Yes. She is a life coach, writer, and creator of ModernMarried.com. Yeah. She coaches people on relationships and how to make your marriage better. And this is so, so fucking foundational in everything that you do in life. If you get your relationships right, everything else falls into place. Mm -hmm. And this is why we're so passionate about talking about these topics, relationships and love and all these things, because it it influences everything. Mm -hmm. It can change the world. It can. It can. And I mean, we all want love. We all want connection. We all want to be seen. And that's what Maggie talks about. And that's what she helps couples do more of. Yeah. So have more of (laughs) listen to the show Mm -hmm. and think about it through the lens of your previous relationships and see how or your current relationship or current yeah. relationship if you have one and and think about how you could be doing things a little bit differently a little bit better because i'll tell you when you change this when you focus your energy on making your relationship better man it's so good <laughs> everything changes everything changes everything else falls into place and something that maggie talked about at the actually yeah i'm not gonna spoil it you gotta you you just gotta listen to it yeah it's just too good you do it was it was pretty amazing so check it out and also i just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast and so if you're here for the first time welcome we're so excited that you're here and if you're returning we're equally excited that you're here and we appreciate you yeah enjoy the show big time Hey, you just turned into the Spirit Ninja's Spiritual as F*** Podcast. The show that aims to inspire, uplift, and questions everything. And now your hosts, Bart Rigel and Holly Emerson. Yeah, Maggie, thank you for being <laughs> on the Spirit Ninja's Spiritual AF Podcast. Yeah, we're super excited to have you here as our guest this week. And before we get started, could you maybe give like a a little introduction as to how you got into um, like marriage and long-term relationship coaching and yeah, give us a little background. That is a funny story. First of all, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love that you're spirit ninjas. (laughs) That's right. Very covert. (laughs) Yeah. Use your powers for good. Totally, totally. (laughs) So it's actually a funny story in terms of um, how I got started with this, like with marriage and coaching and marriage and writing about marriage. When I got married, a phenomenon happened to me that I found very interesting and challenging at the same time. I love my husband. It's going to be our 11th anniversary in May. Wow, congrats. Um, Yay! (laughs) And... When I met him and started dating him and it got more serious, I had this incredible sense of rightness. So for everyone listening to us now, for you guys, like doing this podcast, I'm sure when you wake up in the morning, it feels like you're doing what you should be doing, where you should be doing it, with the people you should be doing with. It's this incredible sense of rightness. And I had felt that very few times in my life before up to then. And what became very apparent is everything that was not right. Uh-huh. Like once I felt that feeling, I was like, ooh. These other things don't feel like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> what am I about that? And I actually, at the time, was working in HR. 
I, you know, had a good job. You know, there was nothing externally sort of like wrong or terrible. I just didn't feel that feeling. And I started exploring. I took aptitude tests. I was such a nerd. I went back to school. I did all these different things to figure out what is my thing and how I got into this, into Modern Mary, how it was born. I was sitting in a workshop during my quest that I was on. And the workshop was called Up Level Your Purpose. And I thought it was, you know, find your purpose. And that's what I was doing. Sweet. But it was really about starting a business. And all the exercises were about starting a business. And you had to have examples for each exercise. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm an HR girl. (laughs) (laughs) So the speaker, um, who was my first coach, her name was Christine Kane. She, She was on stage, not knowing I was having this dilemma, sitting in the chair there. And she said, what could you talk about forever? What could you discuss and never get tired of and love having conversations about? Is that weaved into what you do right now? And I was like, (laughs) marriage, relationships, love. I could talk about that forever. Yes. (laughs) And that was, I think, in 2011 and it's 2018. So it bared truth. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, so that's how that got started. Wow, that's so cool. So how long have you had um, Modern Marriage for now? So um, my website is modernmarried.com, and I actually started writing while I was still in HR. So I used to work all day, come home, start writing, and it was really interesting because when you're passionate about something, as you both know, you just do it. This energy comes over you that you may not have for other things. For sure. But... (laughs) <laughs> but that's what I did. So the blog actually started shortly after that in 2012. And I wasn't actively like an online business owner like I am now. I wasn't actively like with a full roster of coaching clients like I am now. Mm-hmm. I wrote for quite a while. And then about two and a half years ago, it was time. Yes. The time yeah. came. <laughs> and now it's what I do all the time. And I get to talk to amazing people like you guys. How fun is that? <laughs> that I is love so it. cool. I love it. <laughs> So what's kind of like the typical, I guess, relationship challenge that you see? And does that yeah. shift? Like, has that shifted over your, like, are there trends and challenges? So honestly, we all have the same core problems and issues. And they run across all the different kinds of relationships. If I had to pick the number one thing that everyone says they want help with. So I run a Facebook group called The Modern Married Wife. And in that group, I ask the ladies who join, you know, what is the one thing you want to improve in your relationship right now? And I would say maybe 80% of the time, it's communication. Mm. Everyone wants to improve their communication. And what's really interesting to me about that is that when they think of communication, they probably are thinking about being heard, being seen uh, by the other person. Uh, But for me, when I hear communication, I think of like five different layers of things that are happening that communication is a part of, but it's not like we don't know how to speak and listen, right? We all know how to do that. For sure. So what is it? It's communicating and listening without the lens of frustration that gets nothing done. It's communicating and like speaking and listening with a common goal in mind, you know, instead of being adversaries, being a team. So it's really interesting because people will say, oh, my issue is this. But if we look into that particular issue, maybe that's not quite the thing that they really need to work on or improve. And I have um, 
a little saying. I'm, I love Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time. And Facebook inspires me. So a lot of people have this kind of weird relationship with Facebook. I love Facebook. <laughs> so I tell people in their marriages, here's what you need to do. You can work with me and I love to work with people and, you know, come with me, come to me if you need help. But the bottom line is this, always be friending. So I could tell you to read 20 relationship books. I could tell you to do all kinds of things. And I will tell you to do those things because this is how you do the friending. But if you think of Facebook, when you like somebody's posts, when you comment on their things, you see more of them. When you use the heart button, it makes them smile. When you share something they wrote, they get all excited, right? So in our marriages, how often are we friending? How often are we commenting, liking, getting excited about what you said? That's the key. If you remember one thing about everything we talk about today, always be friending. I love that. (laughs) It's a great analogy because we can all relate to, you know, the interactions on Facebook and like Instagram even and how those little acknowledgements that you Mm -hmm. give your partner would really go a long way. Yeah, there was it's huge. Yeah, there was a a study that was done a number of years ago. I think it was one of the longest like long term studies. um, I think it was by Harvard or one of these big universities around long term relationships. And they surveyed a group of couples um, at the start of their marriage. And then they did it again after like 10, 15, 20 years or whatever it was. And they found that the people that stayed together were the Mm -hmm. ones that had these like little micro interactions and were constantly asking for feedback and validation from the other person. Like, hey, honey, look at this. And then if if those people reciprocated and they say, oh, look at that. Yeah, that's amazing. Whatever that thing is, it could be like a bird in the window. It could be, Mm -hmm. you, you know, anything. It's like these little micro things that were just constantly asking for like these little micro validations. And the people that reciprocated, they stayed together. The people that got divorced, they didn't. They were self-absorbed. It's like, I don't care. This is not important. Like, I've got more important things to do. Okay, here's how we know that we are aligned. This is what alignment looks like for everyone who's listening right now. Just this weekend, I was at a training by the Gottman Institute, which what you just quoted is one of their studies. And they went into depth about that particular piece of data that they uncovered. And they call it turning towards instead of turning away. Mm-hmm. And just to reiterate, their criteria is that you're both married and happy about it, right? So if you're both married and happy about it, they call those relationship masters. And relationship masters have some things in common. And this turning towards instead of instead of away is one of the key things that they do, like you said, micro moments throughout the day where they just acknowledge each other's presence in the world is key to not just having a marriage, but having a thriving relationship. And you can honestly apply that to anything. You can apply it to your kids. You can apply it to your coworkers. When you're turning towards instead of away, that is how you build connection. Then you can build trust and you can build communication. You can build all the other things you need to be successful with the power of attention, right? Because what is that? Mm -hmm. It's attention. It's so beautiful, Mm -hmm. so simple. Um, one thing I love about the Gottman research, they're my favorite, they're like amazing. They're, they've been studying marriage for 40 years and, um, they're just awesome. And one of the things that they say with this turning towards is when you make that bid for attention, it's a ratio. It's about, I think it's a five to one ratio. The the couples that turn the highest amount have the strongest relationships. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. It's super fascinating. 
<laughs> yeah. And what I think about that. So just to relate it to something else, the yesterday we started watching this uh, show about it was like drag car racing. I don't know. I, I like yeah, cars. What, what's the name of the show? It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's like the fastest car. I think it's called. Yeah. And anyways, it it, um, it followed these groups of people. Uh, I think there was like I don't know four in each episode, and how they're building their cars, and and then at the end they get to race, uh, and one winner ends up going to something like I don't the, know, the, the finals, finale yeah, to race. And well, what's interesting is that they all these people are in totally different walks of life. They could be mm-hmm. like the super ultra mega rich to, you know, um, just like your average person to everybody in between. Like there's it's such a gamut of different people. But the one common thing that I got, every single one of these people has the exact same needs, mm-hmm. their needs for relating um it's it's all for about validation. Like, yeah, exactly. That community validation, acknowledgement. And it, yeah, it was really fascinating because like even though they were all from different walks of life, they all yeah. had that same common goal, which was that ultimate desire to be seen. You know, Absolutely. and it was yeah, it was really beautiful. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. So before I became a coach, I worked in HR and I actually worked in a cruise line and I worked in recruiting. So I hired people from all over the world and I got to talk to people in Eastern Europe and Asia and the U.S. and South America and Central America. And this core thing that you just said about the drag racing bears true. Like people want to have meaningful work. They want to provide for their families. They want to feel seen and heard and basically no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your other cultural beliefs are and things like that, those core things never change. And to me, to my sort of dreaming of this beautiful utopian world kind of thing, <laughs> it's really beautiful to see that in kind of an environment like a cruise ship. Yes, but there's 47 countries represented on board and everybody's working together towards the same thing. And it proves that it's possible. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And I mean... Yeah. What's uh, fascinating about that is that like no matter who we are, like it's always those common things and those are the most important, right? Because mm-hmm. we see so many people struggling in relationships and everybody's thinking that they need the stuff. They need like the, you know, money. Yes. They need security. They need... Um, like love from somebody else. It's like always some external thing that they want. Yeah, but really what, what the, it comes down to is that every single person just wants those simple core things and just to connect. And mm-hmm. men and women included because um, you know I think there's a lot of people out there now, uh, something that we talk about quite a bit is you know relationships and women trying to find their partner. And mm-hmm. women are having a really hard time dating these days trying to find love. And I think what's often missed is that the men themselves, they want those same things. They want connection. They want to be validated. They want to be loved. And it doesn't always get portrayed that way. Like guys are jerks. Guys just want to cheat, blah, 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 blah. I completely agree that it's not portrayed the way it actually is. Mm-hmm. And even though I focus on marriage, I do have a couple of clients who have read my biography, read my marriage story, and they're like, I want what you have. Will you help me date? And I'm nice. like, okay, <laughs> sure. That, but with me, you take a spiritual approach to dating. You take it in a totally different direction. And that's exactly one of the things I say all the time. 
is, listen, you can't judge other men by what men have done in the past. Mm-hmm. And there's 7 billion people on earth. You want one <laughs> significant yeah. relationship. I think that's possible. Like, I think if we put our minds to it and we put some a focused energy and attention on that, we can make that happen. Absolutely. So totally agree. Yeah. yeah. And um, of course, like, it's just, I was going to say something and I forgot. <laughs> I had a brain fart. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> kind of um, go back to uh, with the moments of, of attention and connection, because I think it relates to our own life story is the thing that's a danger with most couples is something that I call the drift. And so the drift is when you drift apart, you start becoming roommates instead of soulmates. Mm. Um, that is actually in the research, one of the top reasons that people separate and end up getting divorced. It's often, it's not these very sort of dramatic things that get most reported in the media. It's really, those things are a byproduct of the drift. Mm. And if we think in our own life and creating meaning for ourselves and in our life, sometimes we drift from the things that matter to us the most, the things we care about the most. So it's both, it's kind of a parallel. It happens in our relationship with Mm ourselves, and in our relationship with um, our loved ones. And so one of the things that's really important is how do you minimize the drift? Those micro moments of attention that you were talking about earlier is how you can drift, but you come back together. You're continuously coming back together. And if you take it to an individual person and you think, well, am I really living according to my priorities? I have drifted away from those. How can I focus some attention on that? It doesn't have to be a sweeping thing like changing jobs or moving to another country. It can just be today I'm going to take a cooking class or tomorrow I'm going to do an art, you know, I'm going to draw for an hour. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important to remember is we can drift at any moment. We can always come back and it can be small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you navigate? Like, let's say you've been in a relationship for a while and you're experiencing the drift. How yeah. do you navigate, you know, coming back together and rekindling that drift? Yeah. So what I do is I help my clients really decide to take emotional leadership of their life and to decide how they want to present in their relationship. Many, many times people think it's the other person. If the other person would change and do everything that I want them to do, everything would be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And so the first thing we do is wash that, wash that window. Nice, (laughs) nice. And start thinking of what we're doing, how we're contributing and the energy that we're putting into the relationship. So once we wash that window, then we look at um, how are we connecting? How often are we having time together alone that is cultivating our connection either emotionally, spiritually, or physically. So when I was a baby coach and I had just graduated from a coaching school, I was kind of, you know, that person that didn't, you know, I thought like doctors first do no harm, right? So I would ask my questions initially and see, okay, what's going on here? And I, 54 questions later, I'd say, well, when was the last time you had sex, right? Like maybe five calls into it. No, on our first call, when I hear this problem, that problem, the other problem, I'm like, hmm, and when was the last time you had sex? And this might be someone I've talked to twice, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four months ago. Okay, so we know there's work to be done here on every level, right? Mm-hmm. So first, to answer your question, how do you, like, start managing the drift? Like a GPS point. Where are you now? When was the last time you went on a date? What was the last thing you thought about? Is this something you fight about all the time? Why? Why is this so meaningful to you? And when was the last time you had sex? 
are you prioritizing your relationship at all? Because some people, they're meaning, loving, kind people, but they've drifted in their own life. So they don't even notice that they've drifted in a relationship until they are wake up one morning and say, what's happened? Why do I feel this way, right? Mm-hmm. So we adopt the micro actions. We make small, small, tiny, tiny, tiny changes that have a big, 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 big impact. And if I was going to share one of them, what I would share is look for the things to appreciate, right? Which is a very law of attraction kind of thing to say. But when you look at the science and you look at studies that measure like depression, if you're a person who has a gratitude practice, you're like, X times less likely to be a person who gets depressed. Like now the science is starting to catch up to what we kind of intuitively have known works, right? All on our own. Mm -hmm. So gratitude, what is one thing that you're grateful for about your partner? And I have a kind of funny story about that. One of my clients were having this conversation and like, well, when was the last time you thanked your husband? And her homework was to go and thank him for something. She said, I can't do that. Like, she was, like, not having it. No. She said, no, I don't think I can do that. No. And so we went through this whole process where, of course, you know, she has, um, you know, her own discernment about what's right for her. And, you know, obviously, you know, if that doesn't work for her, I wanted to kind of see what we could do. So we negotiated. And what we came up with is that she would mentally thank him. (laughs) (laughs) She would mentally notice that he made her coffee every morning and started her car when it was cold and delicious. like all, when I asked her the things, she had a long list of things. But she wouldn't say it. <laughs> but she wouldn't say. It. So we went through this whole process, and then a week later, <laughs> it was this. It was like I not only thanked him, but I thanked him publicly in front of the entire team. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, so you think it's just a simple, simple, simple thing, and then you try to do it, and you find where you're blocked. And then you try to do it again and you find where you're blocked and then you let go and then you feel amazing. Yeah. That's how most of coaching goes. goes. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, so you you had mentioned that um, a lot of people that you work with, they don't really recognize that they're in the drift. So do you have some tips for couples who might be listening right now to, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of test to see if they're in the drift or not? Absolutely. So um, one of the things, one of the things that I like to talk about is your love database. And this is, um, I got this idea because when you go to a five-star hotel, they keep a database on you. So if you drink, you know, tea with no milk, the next time you come back, if you go to the Ritz-Carlton in the Four Seasons, they'll know you drink tea with no milk and things like that, right? So what's your love database on your partner, right? Um, Do you know the things that they like? Because if we're in a long-term relationship, what I liked 10 years ago may not be what I like now, right? I used to be obsessed with the West Wing, right? Like, that was, like, my favorite all-time show. Now I'm obsessed with Arrow. I'm 44 yeah. years old, and I watch the CW and, like, <laughs> love super- Heck yeah. <laughs> like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, like, so this is a very different thing, right? From the White House to, like, <laughs> fighting sure. crime. So yeah. great. Right? So... But if you don't keep up with what's happening with your partner, you wouldn't even know that this transition or that this new interest or passion has evolved. So if you start thinking about, well, what is my husband or my wife's favorite TV show? If you know that, you're on, the, you're starting on the right path. <laughs> you have a good place to start, right? You might not know that. And hey, there's no shame here. This is like the no shame zone. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you're here because you want to grow as a person. 
You want to, you know, have the life that you know is possible in your heart. And you're listening to this show right now today because you're wanting to get tools to make it possible in your actual material reality. So it's okay if you don't know. And if some of the things we've talked about today, you recognize yourself in those things. I'm just here to tell you it's all right. Just do something today. Make it a small micro action. You know, if you recognize you're in the drift, text your partner. It can just be a text. Say, hello, I'm thinking of you. I'm sending you a hug. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the things that I really focus on a lot is I feel that people think they need to make these sweeping changes, kind of like Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love. Like, I must spend <laughs> a month in Bali and cleanse myself. Or yeah. this and that, which is great. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But for a lot of people, that's just not a realistic place to start. And then they feel like they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, just send a text. We <laughs> <laughs> can still go to Bali. We'll that. But today. Yeah, in this moment. <laughs> starts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a really great suggestion, actually. Just kind of like yeah. checking in with your partner, knowing the little things that they like or dislike now, what changes. It's a good, good yeah. suggestion. So I've got a question. So. Sure. Before Holly, uh, I would meet women, I would date women, and there was, you know, certain ones that were very, very needy, you know, how do you discern this, uh, you know, how do you navigate whether you're being, you know, too needy, like texting every five minutes, like going crazy, if if you don't get a call back or text back in five minutes versus genuine, like, hey, how you doing, how you doing, like, because it's like this push and pull, right, on one side, you yeah. can't be too much, but on the, yeah. the other side, it's like, yeah. it's, it's a balance. So how do you discern that? How do you determine how to navigate it? Absolutely. So this is a, literally a conversation I have with my clients. Like yesterday, I probably talked about it three different times in three different contexts. So this is spot on. <laughs> in terms of your nice. So it's a balance. It's always a balance between getting your needs met and accepting the person as they are today. In anything, your children, your coworkers, your colleagues, your love partner, accepting how they are today. And let's assume they're never going to change just for the purposes of our conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is that what you want for the next 40 years? Like that level of acceptance. And then how do I get my needs met? Sometimes it's with the participation of this person. And sometimes it's through my own development of my own interests and passions in life. And when you're talking about this example of the, you know, we all have that friend or know that person who just needs mountains of validation, right? So if you're in a relationship with a person like that, my answer is going to be, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For that person, if they're open to like listening to a show like this one, I'd say, go listen to the Spirit Ninjas podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They'll set you straight. Yeah. Um, but for that person, so if I was that person, let's let's put myself in those shoes where I really need to get 20 texts a day or I feel like, you know, something has gone wrong. If I had the moment to do some introspection and I was brave and courageous enough to ask myself, why do I need that? I might come up with a variety of reasons. And the key, the litmus test is, do I like my reasons? Are my reasons empowering and good and something that makes me stronger? Or are my reasons based out of some uh, something in the family of fear, right? We, mm-hmm. like, there's so many different fears. It could be a wide variety of fears, right? And if it's based on fear, can I recognize, which is a very bold and courageous thing to do, that no matter how many texts I get, that is not going to take away this feeling, right? That's not going to solve that problem. 
So if I'm the person who needs that, it's up to me to take emotional leadership of my life and my relationship and say, why do I need that? What could meet that need in a way that's healthy and empowering and good, which is usually a process of accepting myself, right? Usually there's some level of self-acceptance at the core of that particular issue. Like you have to tell me I'm okay for me to think that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And if we get to the point where we can practice some self-acceptance, then I don't need that as much from you because I'm giving it to myself. Now, if you're dating a person like that and you see that pattern with that person, what I would say is, again, it depends, right? Because so much is up in the context of the situation. And if the person is really exceptional in every other way, is that something that you're willing to take on in terms of working through that with that person? Because now you've listened to this podcast. Now you know what it is. (laughs) So now um, there's a quote. I think it was Oliver Wendell Holmes. Once a mind is expanded by a new idea, it never goes back to its original dimensions. So now, no. Yeah. So if you're dating that person, you can say, let's have an honest talk here. You know I care about you. You know, I love you. You know how I feel about you. Me texting you 20 times a day is not going to have an effect on that. What's really happening, right? That's a very brave and bold thing to talk about, which takes a very high level of emotional maturity. If you don't have that high level of emotional maturity, I would say, don't date that person, (laughs) right? Like, it's not right. You can just, this person is not for me. This is not my place to, to heal this, to help this person heal this. And someone else will come along that, potentially help that person heal this yeah yeah Yeah, that was a great answer I love that I'm a huge advocate of self-love and when it comes to relationships um Mm -hmm. I find that most of the problems stem from at least that I've experienced in my own life have been you know my lack of self-love or feeling not worthy and it's amazing when you shift that within yourself and address that by feeding yourself with those needs and meeting your own needs then it's amazing how the relationship with your significant other changes. Can we talk about the self-love paradox for just a minute? I would love to get your <laughs> yes. opinions. Sure. On this. Let's do this. Let's do it. Because here's here's something that I think about. Obviously, I'm in the relationship space, so I think about this often. I see this meme all the time. You must love yourself first to have, you know, to love another. You must love yourself first. And it seems really, you know, you see it and it's fine and it's good, right? But when you go deeper into that, and I'll tell you from my personal experience. So I grew up a child of divorce and never had a good model for marriage in my personal sort of life. And one of my dreams was always to get married and to have that friendship, deep connection with someone, having not really experienced it (laughs) too closely. And I can attest that my husband has helped me heal some very deep wounds that I would not have healed in the same way without his participation. Did I love myself enough to allow myself to receive that love? Yes. And that's why I think it's like a paradox. Mm-hmm. There's this self-love paradox that you have to love yourself enough to be open to receiving. But that doesn't mean that just you loving yourself alone in a vacuum is everything you need. Like you do need other people, friends and colleagues and yeah. and partner. So what do you think about that when you see that meme? And what's your experience? I would love to know. Yeah, well, you know, I think just like you're saying, you know, it depends because there's so many different, like so much 
contexts for different people and different influences. Um, but for me, like what I hear you saying is you had the emotional intelligence to realize like, okay, I'm going to take emotional responsibility for what is mine. I, I'm still, I still know that I'm allowed, I'm, I am able to allow X much love into my life from other people, but I want more. And so in order for me to get more, Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going to take emotional responsibility, fill myself mm-hmm. up and, and then I will also receive more externally, yes. you know, but mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, I think I think it depends all the time, because for me, you know, I was allowing love into my life, but I only would allow a certain amount, but I wanted more. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for mm-hmm. me, I was lucky enough to have I call them teachers. A lot of my mm-hmm. ex-boyfriends were amazing teachers because they they never verbally told me, <laughs> you don't love yourself. But I deducted right. it from, you know, realizing that I was manifesting situations in my life that I didn't want. And so right. they were great teachers in the sense that I was able to eventually okay. recognize that. And mind you, I had mm-hmm. some amazing um like spiritual teachers and counselors along the way to to help me identify that. But I think it... Uh, it's, it's kind of like, yes and no, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yes, exactly. yes, you that's have to, too. yeah, I know at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing to like take from those statements mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. it's, it's not up to somebody else a hundred percent, you know, like you have to, I love what you say, like take that emotional responsibility for your mm-hmm. emotional space. Like what mm-hmm. is going on in your own world? Like you do have to have that courage and mm-hmm. and be brave and ask yourself, you know, why do I feel this mm-hmm. front? Like why do I want this person to interact with me on this level because they're not? So what does that actually mean? Like what is lacking? And mm-hmm. is there a space within myself that I need to heal, address, mm-hmm. move beyond? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's both. And it's both. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. jump in here too a little mm-hmm. bit and, uh, and talk about how, you know, I think both men and women are different. And I think there's, um, since the sixties and seventies, there's obviously been this huge movement towards, uh, feminism, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. We, we all want equal rights. We all want equal pay. We all want to be equal. But we all are equal. <laughs> we are absolutely, yeah. and I think that that pendulum has kind of swung a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit too far. And there's a there's definitely a lot of um, women who think that you know they're strong, independent, they don't need a man, and they wonder why they can't find a boyfriend. You know, mm-hmm. because yes. it's like this power thing that uh, ends up influencing the relationship ends up influencing. Well, you know, if you can't meet these criteria, mm-hmm. well, then you're, you're done. I don't need you, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's like, this like hardness to mm-hmm. the way that they interact with their partners. But I'm here to say that no matter who you are in the world, wh- whether you're a man or a woman, you can absolutely be a complete and whole person and you can have your own things. You can be independent. You can work and make tons of money and that doesn't affect anything but ultimately there is in intimate relationships there's this push and pull where you relinquish some of that control you know in order to attract a person right that 
you know, yes, okay, I can acknowledge in the rest of my life, I don't need a man. I don't need a man to, to do, fulfill any of these things. But there are certain things that I need a man for. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it, it is about self-love, right? Because that self-love has to be there, that independence, that strong will, all those things, the confidence. But in intimate relationships, I think people have to realize that we need each other. Yeah, because like I think what you're saying there, it's when women come across in relationships and they're hard and they're they're strong in, in that type mm-hmm. of example that you gave. I think in certain situations, they're like that because of fear, you know, mm-hmm. because they're they're fearful of like letting their walls down, you know, mm-hmm. because it still comes to back to, you know, that self-love worthiness piece, vulnerability piece that they still maybe need to work through. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I see, because remember, my background is in HR. So I've seen it from <laughs> both both sides. For sure. Of this. And what I see is a lot of women having to prove, prove themselves, like I can be the director, the vice president, the CEO, you know, mm-hmm. and take on those sometimes, uh, not that they're not both feminine and masculine characteristics, but some of the ways and behaviors that men have had to adopt in order to work in certain environments. Women have had to adopt those behaviors as well. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you, in the scenario that you're giving as an example, when do you open to receive? When yeah. do you ask for help? I've spent my whole career proving I can do it on my own, right? It becomes a coping mechanism. And this I see with my clients all the time too. You have mm-hmm. a coping mechanism that was absolutely appropriate for the goal you set for yourself. You wanted mm-hmm. to be the youngest lawyer, promoted to partner, whatever, and you did it, right? Great. That coping mechanism was fabulous for that. Nothing has gone wrong here. You mm-hmm. did that correctly. But now you're applying that coping mechanism over to your relationships and it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be cliched, but I'm going to be cliched for a minute because I think it's appropriate. At the core, when you're in a relationship with a man, or even if you're like, you know, whatever partnership you have, if you're two women or two men or whatever, that partner that you have in your life wants to be your hero. Mm-hmm. And particularly, I see this theme quite a bit is in my clients, so there's no science for this one. This is just case study kind of thing. <laughs> but the men that I'm exposed to in these situations want and desire to be their partner's hero. And the partner is not allowing it. Mm. And by not allowing and being open to receive, then like, they can never get to the point where their wife or their partner is satisfied because, A, the person either doesn't know how to open to receive they're having the drift in their own life, so they don't know what satisfies them. So if you, I'm sure we all have friends that say this complaint, she's never satisfied. No, I do all these things, she's never satisfied. Because mm-hmm. she's never sat down to say, it would be delightful if I had someone do this, cook dinner for me, I would be so happy. Now, micro action, we know, oh my gosh, he cooked dinner, this is amazing, I'm so delighted, I'm enjoying this meal, it's so fabulous. So that idea of, first of all, being open to receive, knowing what you want in the first place, which is like psychologically sound and the law of attraction to, you know, like all of these things kind of meld into one, you have to open to receive. And that's like a muscle. So if you haven't exercised that muscle in the 15 or 20 years of your career, and suddenly you're lonely and you want a relationship, 
of course you're going to have trouble the first few times you try to open that muscle because you're not even going to recognize what does receiving look like? What does asking for help look like? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I like being really real and really transparent. And I had some of that when I was going on my honeymoon with my husband, he wanted to carry my suitcase. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I can carry my suitcase. But it, for me to carry my suitcase requires a massive amount of effort. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> You know, a, a pen. He's like, he's like, I can carry your suitcase. It's really all right. I'm like, you're not hurting yeah. me in any way. <laughs> I was like, well, if it really doesn't cause you any pain whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so just to give you like how um, how that affects the whole fabric of your life when you have that dynamic. I mean, it's been now, um, you know, almost eleven years, and I'm like. Thank you so much for carrying my suitcase. I really appreciate that. And he gets to be my hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it's so important. And I mean, I um, I see this all the time in, you know, my uh, the people that we talk to, my friends, my family, you know, this dynamic between uh, men and women. And, you know, it, it is a muscle. You're absolutely right. And I think, you know, partly the the world is kind of, it's kind of gone a little bit sideways when it comes to that because, you know, a, a guy holding open a door for a woman, you know, it's not a good thing, right? It's like, I can open my own damn door, man. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, like, the guy just wants to be, you know, like, chivalry, chivalry is not dead, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think um, we just have to be open to receiving, mm-hmm. you know, because you're right. I love the way that you put that, you know, the partner wants to be your hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Something we talk a lot about too is the divine feminine and divine masculine energies, which is essentially what we just talked about without labeling yeah. it as such. But it is very mm-hmm. interesting because I think, um, yeah, people forget that there's the dance between those energies, which is essentially attraction, you know? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um- yeah. Yeah. Like, look at um, uh, what's that uh, movie, Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. right? Or the books. Like, why did they uh, sell it, like fifty million plus copies, right? Mm-hmm. If you dissect those relate, like that relationship between Anastasia and Christian, it's mm-hmm. so it's perfect. It's like the perfect definition of divine masculine and divine feminine, right? Mm-hmm. And how many women just absolutely loved those books. It's because on some level they resonate with this character, Christian, how, you know, he took control, you know, he was, he was in charge, all these things, because women just, they like the ability to just open up and feel safe. So I have to respectfully disagree on oh, one yeah. point Please because um, I'm somewhat familiar with those books and there's some things that are a little bit disturbing in terms of, you know, he's a traumatized person. He's had a lot of trauma and he's had to process a lot of trauma. And eventually my understanding is over the course of time, he heals that and they're able to have a much more um, healthy balance of that divine feminine and divine masculine. Now where I a hundred percent agree is that is the, the thing that made themselves so much. Everyone thinks it's, it's the sex that they had. No, it's and not that at all. Right. It's like that contributed, but that's not it. It's the fantasy or the uh, the ability to look at a situation where you're completely safe and you're in full surrender. 
And so the part where I'm like not sure some some piece of the book, I'm not sure if there was the, the safety element is really important. Mm-hmm. But in the end, there's safety. So we'll, we're going to go with it, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but that idea that you can be you surrender and be safe and give up some of that control is absolutely that was like the sexiest thing about the books, mm-hmm. which a lot of yes. time is sort of glossed over. Absolutely agree with you. Like there has to be, of course, respect and safety and all these things. So, you you know, I don't think it's the necessarily the violence that that's not what sold the books at all. But if you look at just certain characteristics that he embodied and mm-hmm. the guys that, uh, you know, in all these different books, like there's a million different books that are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Look at those common characteristics. It's like freaking Fabio on his horse, you know, <laughs> shirt off, right? Hair down well, to his it's knees. It's that hero thing that you're talking about, Maggie. Right. It's like when the woman sees their man as their hero, the man mm-hmm. just feels like. Like, cause that's what the man wants to be. Like you said, you know, and on, Mm -hmm. on some levels, I think women want to feel protected and want to be able to be vulnerable with their man and have him be the hero, you know? And he is, men want the same thing too. Like men want to feel safe and protected and like they belong as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And in a situation where you have a constant rejection of the person you're in close intimacy with, that destroys that for the man. And he doesn't know what to do. And what happens? The drift gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we talk about those micro actions, like, like it's key when you start sending him a text for no reason. Oh, thank you so much for bringing out the garbage. But why should I thank him for things he's supposed to do in the first place? Because <laughs> yeah. you're going to feel better because you're going to yeah. like it and he's going to like it. Right. Like, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. How silly. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's so funny because like if you just looked at a situation, it's like, well, how do I want to feel right now? And yes. if I want to feel good and I want to feel connected and accepted, well, that's probably how my partner wants to feel, too. Yes. <laughs> Cause we all, we, yeah. Because we all. Yeah. Yeah. We all want that same. And what gets in the way of that is often fear. Like yeah. it's different. It's labeled in different ways. It could be the fear of rejection, the fear of disappointment, the fear of, oh, I've reached out so many times and that person hasn't reached back. So we have to get over our fear. Like we mm-hmm. have to learn to manage our fears better. And that's what um, listening to shows like this, like hearing real people talk about our own challenges with relationships to me is really important because we normalize, hey, I'm happily married and I get afraid too. You know, you guys have a thriving, you know, connection and you guys have stuff too. Like, let's make it normal that we need to learn to manage our fear. And now let's go about figuring out how to do that. Right. And I think my sort of lofty dream is this is how we change the world. Right. If we learn to love each other and we learn to talk, even though we're afraid and ask for what we need and all of those things, that's how you like minimize trauma and you minimize the people that are really they're so hurt that they have to hurt other people. You know, it doesn't make what they're doing right at all. But then how can we get to the root cause of that? It's like, thank you for taking out the garbage. Right? There's a direct line yeah. <laughs> between these simple things we're talking about and how we want the world that we live in to be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like these totally. like little small steps that will eventually get us there. You know, appreciate your partner taking out the garbage. And then eventually you'll be able to tell them that, you know, you're, that you're in love with them. And because the world, unfortunately, you know, it's easier to say you hate someone than it's easier to say I love you in so many circumstances. It's strange, right? Whether it's like friends or family or whatever, it's like it's easier to have that 
Yes and no. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what do you think, some... Holly? Tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do tell. Well, <laughs> I think, I think in some situations, yeah. I guess it just depends like what you're looking at. You know, I think some people are in a place where they are so driven by fear. So the responses are from this, this fear base, I need to protect myself kind of mentality. And, and they cling to that and they hold on to that. So they don't really, they're not really conscious of what their the consequences of their of actions not. or what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I agree with that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it depends. I think it depends. But I, I at the same time, like, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm the type of person who's like optimistic. And, and so I do see more and more people moving towards like conscious communication. And maybe it's because of the line of work that we're in, you know, and what we're doing. And so we're connecting more and more with people like this. But I personally like to focus on like those positive examples that I see and, you know, focus on because people are like, I'm seeing people desiring this connection more and more, Mm -hmm. you know? And so maybe, maybe something that resonates more with me would be to say that we're moving out of like this phase of like being really fearful Mm -hmm. and moving towards like, okay, I'm going to be a little more vulnerable. I'm going to send that text. I'm I'm going to reach out to a friend that I miss, or I'm going to, you know, take, take that step. And maybe it's fearful, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because mm-hmm. the love is more important and the connection is more important. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my take on it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This has been such a fascinating conversation. And so, Maggie, you work with clients one-on-one. Yes. And so they can connect with you at your website, which is modernmarried.com. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That's where they can find me. Absolutely. Yes. And so we will definitely put the links in the show notes here. Yeah. And did definitely. you have any other questions? Oh my God. We could or, seriously, we should have you on again. I because... know. Like this was super fascinating. I love this. Okay. Well, well, let's book it. We'll book yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, <laughs> these are yeah. the conversations that we need to be having more often. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I mean, relationships are such a fundamental thing to our being like our our day-to-day it's just so foundational you Mm -hmm. get this part right everything else becomes so much easier yeah oh my gosh okay wait let the research nerd in me come out for just a second yes please please everything you said and there's actually been research done so toxic relationships have the effect on the body the same as smoking this is like researched um, when there's constant criticism in a relationship, it's been researched for some reason. It's more prevalent of a criticism from a man to a woman. If you're in a married situation, um, it affects her immune system and she's more likely to get colds and flus and any kind of those kinds wow. of, um, yeah. Like I can see amazing. that. The opposite research is if you're married and you're happy, so that's the key, it's not toxic, you're thriving, you have a friendship, you feel good, you live longer, you are healthier during those longer years, and you cumulatively make more money throughout your life. And when I saw that, I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) It makes so much sense because when you say it affects every other area of your life, what happens? 
You're not in a bad mood when you go to work, so you can focus on what you're working on. You can have the creative ideas. You can get along with your coworkers and get promoted and all the things that stem from, from that. And what I want to say is, last thing I want to say is my favorite quote. I read this quote many years ago in a book called Simple Abundance. It's full of quotes. And one of the quotes is, this quote like totally shattered my view of the world in a good way. It said, Samuel Johnson said it, and he said, to be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. Mm. To be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. And when I read that, I thought, what am I, why am I doing everything I'm doing? Like, I need to just stop and rethink everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the reason we do everything. Then what, what is contributing to that, right? And I think that's why this conversation we had today was so rich and so powerful mm-hmm. and hopefully very useful yeah. for all your listeners because that's the point is to be happy at home. Totally, totally. And like the thing that I've really loved about this conversation too is just how for me, it just reminded me of how interconnected everybody is. You know, we're so connected. Like we all want the same things. It's like, let's just stop fighting. Let's stop with, with everything that's like hurtful and fearful and just like go hug somebody, (laughs) you know, because like we all want the same thing. And when we, and like, I can relate to, to, the fears of other people and I can relate to the struggles of other people. And I see it's like, ultimately I see myself in them, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we see how connected we truly are, and that's Mm -hmm. what I love, like with, with your messaging and what you're sharing and like helping people change Mm -hmm. that space in, in their home life with their partner Mm -hmm. Because it literally can like send waves of light around the world, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, so important to us and so important to you. And like it, the world it can needs change it. The world, and, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just like, I love what you do. I love your messaging. And this has just been so fun. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for, for creating the Spirit Ninjas. I mean, I think to have like this is the kind of warriors, quote unquote, we need in the world is we need warriors of light and of love and and normalizing things like vulnerability and introspection and taking a stand for understanding other people. I mean, never in the history of Earth have we had these messages being able to be disseminated online and on, you know, podcast. Like, this Mm -hmm. magic, the the technology we have available to us today, I'm sure people have thought this way for millennia, Mm -hmm. but to have the ability to, like, put your energy out into the world in this way, I think is absolutely, you know, transformational and so, so powerful. So thank you for the work that you do. Aw, thank you. Yeah, likewise. This (laughs) is so fun. So fun. So we definitely need to have you back on our show because I think these conversations need to happen more Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. because it will absolutely make a difference. Yes. Sure. My pleasure. (laughs) All right. So we'll put all of your links below so people can connect with you and work with you and like bask in your wonderful message. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys. Thank you so much. We'll be back soon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) And uh, to our listeners, if you haven't done so already, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you get all of our shows going forward. Mm -hmm. It really helps us out. And otherwise, thank you. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Ninja's Spiritualist Podcast. Make sure to tune in next time for more deep conversations to uplift. 
inspire, and blow your mind. Spiritual as fuck.